Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Principles in God's word were such to bring clarity uh, as Jesus was speaking these teachings that he would share with people. They're like, why do you talk to them in a, in a manner that they not understand? And, and he says, these are for the people that are pursuing understanding. Uh, a lot of us, um, in, in the general context of, of how our life is leading, um, we want to maneuver God into our reality into, instead of allowing him to move us into his reality and, and give us a perspective from, from God's point of view. Um, craziness, insanity is, is the warp reality. And there are a lot of people going really crazy. Um, and that's not to be for us. That's why we're in such peace. God brings to us total clarity even in the depth of horrendous scenarios. Um, and, and I'm going to pray tonight that God would allow you to see how he established the earth and uh, how all things come to pass. Let's pray for the word of God tonight. Father, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. We give you thanks that these matters are uh, come through your revelation, Lord. You reveal these things. You bring clarity where there's darkness. You bring understanding where there's confusion. You are a God of order and not of God of confusion. We pray that your word tonight, Lord, would uh, let us see a lot of the aspects of our life as to the why and the where and the how and what is going on, Father God, so that we might live with understanding, so we might gain wisdom. And we pray that your word would be the lamp unto our feet, that it would bring the light to our path, that we might see clearer than those that might not have your word and are walking far away from your counsel. So prosper your word tonight in our hearts and give us understanding. Open the eyes of our understanding. Open our hearts to receive your word, Lord, and remove everything in our life that comes to hinder and to restrict and to cause your word to not prosper in our hearts. Allow your word to be the good seed planted in good soil, giving forth good fruit and a great harvest that glorifies your name. And allow us to dwell in the land that you take care of. Allow us to be the lives that you are cultivating so that we might Bring forth the fruit of peace, of joy, of righteousness that you desire. That we would be that great garden that you have come to and you might see pleasant fruit. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that we would be connected to you. You are the vine, we are the branches. Without you, Lord, we can't produce anything good. There is no fruit coming towards us, Lord, if we disconnect from you. Allow us to understand that, that our connection to you is our priority for a good life upon the earth. Prosper this word, and as a two-edged sword, allow it to penetrate the depth of our being, Lord, and bring it far in the depth of who we are so that that is who we become. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The language uh, from the very beginning of God's word talks about Placing man in a garden. We go to Genesis in chapter 2. The cable's all the way around? All right, let's do that. Thank you, sir. Here it goes. All righty. Is that better? Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Thank you, sir. And there is where we see where God places the man in the, in the right in a garden. And that is... Uh, we see this in Genesis chapter 2, and we begin in verse 8. And uh, verse 7 says, God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, and he became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden, and he put that man who he had formed, and out of the ground God made to grow every tree that was pleasant for the sight and good for food. And so that's where the beginnings of our um, our relationship with God stands. And we should not be foreign to a relationship with the cultivating, agricultural, and understand these things not as 
we can't afford to look at these things as saying, I'm not a farmer, I'm not going to look at these things in an agricultural light. We, we need to be very keen on understanding that this is where, this is the center of our existence as God would have it. And there he put man to, to care, to cultivate this ground. And um, he determines every man in two lights. You're a fruitful man that are prospering in good fruit. You have chosen good soil. You have go, chosen good seed. Um, people who know about this more than I do say that at the beginning of the harvest, the first thing that happens is the choosing of good seed. Because if you don't have good seed, you cannot expect good fruit. And a lot of us are, are so, um, we are so, uh, result-minded. We don't think until we get the result. And then when we get the result, we're saying, hey, where did this come from? Well, if you track it, you're going to see it was a seed. And if you track it, you're going to see that it was planted in a heart. Uh, even as a young boy, and I, I was just talking to um, someone having a conversation saying, uh, he, he said these, these things to me this afternoon in a conversation. He says, Pastor, my whole life since I was a young boy was out of order. I've, I've done everything wrong. And so you can see his life now. He's an older man. He's 35. He, his life is upside down. And, and he's wanting to start all over again. And that, that's not a good feeling. Uh, I've talked to men who have started at the age of 38. Um, our pastor from, from Mexico, Jose Medieros, when I, I shared the gospel to him, he was 38. He was living a nightmare. His life was upside down. And he says, when you told me, it felt like you tapped me on the shoulder and you told me you've been walking 38 years in the wrong direction. And that is so disheartening. That, 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 that really affects your heart. You're, even your, you know, I've had men saying, you know something, you've done it right since you were a young man, since you were 16. But for you to tell me to start doing it right now, I don't have the enthusiasm. I don't have the moral strength. I, I don't have what it takes to start all over. And tonight we want to deepen that understanding. There's, there's two types of people. Now the Bible says there's the fruitful man that he's enjoying the fruit of his labor. He's enjoying the fruit of his land. And then there was the unfruitful man. The man who goes to his garden and finds that the things are not pleasant. That, that um, It says the lazy man went over to watch the garden of a lazy man and it was overtaken by thorns and thistles. Um, you know what thorns and thistles produce. Say with me, pain. It's not, it's not pleasant. It's very painful. And so in this regard, um, when the Bible speaks of fruit... It's talking about there will come a time where there will be a visible expression of inward attitudes and meanings and, and scenarios. There's going to be something that's going to tell a story. And that will be the fruit. It will be the evidence of your character. And so um, throughout Scripture, we're going to get into the richness of this language of um, what it is to have good land and have good rain fall upon good land and good seed producing good trees that will produce good fruit and good harvest. And we'll see all these, these illustrations that God, but um, John chapter 15, verse two, he starts all expressing, um, this is Jesus, and he starts start talking about the expression of this, this garden that, uh, that is our lives. And he says like this, it says, John 15, every branch in me, everyone who's connected to me, everyone who, who comes forth out of me, and it says, um, that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he clips and prunes that it may bear more fruit. Um, so those are the two expressions. You're either bearing fruit or not uh, bearing fruit. Either you're a tree that he's going to make room for more fruitfulness or he just uh, realizes it is a non-fruit-bearing tree. It's cut off and thrown in the fire. 
we all start with the basic premise, and, and this is where it starts. In verse 4, he says, um, if you abide in me, if you're connected to me, and if I'm connected to you, as the branch cannot bear fruit alone unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Well, again, we're, we're, we're talking about the end result. Why is my life not giving forth the expression of, and it's, it's just joy. You, you know that, I, I don't know if you've ever had a tree, but when you have a tree, when you see the fruit, you're like, this stuff is working. This is producing what it, and when you don't, you feel like, uh, I remember uh, I bought a plant over at Home Depot and I planted it and, and after a couple of weeks, there was nothing showing forth and, and I, just, I just like, I'm getting rid of this stuff. This, this is not good. You don't have a tree for it not to produce fruit. And, and God desires to see the fruitfulness of your life in, in many respects, the, the evidence of an outward manifest reality. And he says, um, if you don't abide in me, you cannot except you abide in me. You're connected. That's, that's what we need to do. And you should, you should really uh, concern yourself about the connectedness of your relationship. I love Lisa Stringer's story. Uh, first part of her life, she went out to um, California to be. She wanted to have money. She wanted to have fame. She wanted to have celebrity. And she became the radio voice for Latin America, uh, the Latin voice for the top 40. And she was making tons of money. And she started her relationship with a gentleman and she had a baby girl and everything was going right. And all of a sudden, everything fell apart. And so she goes back home to her mom with her baby girl and, and her husband doesn't want to have anything to do with her or the girl. It's bad fruit. It's a bad expression of her desire and she goes back to her mom's house and she leaves the stardom she leaves the celebrity and she says all I'm going to do is seek the Lord with all my heart she was here and she shared her testimony and she says I'm going to give myself entirely to God and we see as she gives herself entirely to God how after the destruction she becomes a fruitful vine how she gets connected to God and that's all she said she says the only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to live for Jesus Christ I'm not going to concern myself about anything else. And so she becomes the youth pastor of that church. She becomes a Sunday school teacher. She, she gets involved. She gets involved. She gets really involved. And all of a sudden, her life takes off and becomes fruitful. And the only determining factor was an attitude, I'm going to get connected. I'm going to stop being disconnected. I'm going to be totally consumed with the work of God. And then the expression of that becomes her reality today. She shared it with us. As the Lord uh, brought to her a husband and, um, and the ministry that she has and, and how she enjoys life. And, and her utter suicidal depression and, and sentiment becomes the greatest expression of joy and peace. And God, out of ashes, turns things around in a glorious light. But, but the key framework, it wasn't, it wasn't anything other than her connectedness to the Lord. And so the Lord tells us that in verse 5, I'm the vine, I'm the source of your life. You're the branches. He who abides, he who is connected with me, and I'm connected with him, the same, I love this, will bring much fruit. Do you, do you say that in your Bible? Does it say much in front of fruit? It will bear much fruit. And then he, he again says, well, you can't go nowhere without me. Without me, you can do nothing. Listen to me. The world is bent on proving Christ wrong. How many, how many think that this is a reality or a possibility? Can't. Whatever the world is producing becomes a greater accusation that they, they weren't connected to God. And so it becomes their shame. In verse six, is, uh, 6, it says, If a man abides not in me, if he's not connected with me, if he's not connected... He's cast out, and a branch is withered, separated from me. God says, you're just going to wither. You're going to shrivel up. And they gather them, and it's good to be thrown in the fire, and they are burned. And so, you know, again, pain is related to that, a painful future for those who somehow or another cannot be connected. Um, 
throughout the Bible, the very first dynamic of understanding this, when I became a Christian, and I understand it a lot clearer today than when I first did, in Psalm 1, verse 2, when man's meditation and his desire are in his delight, he's desiring the word of God. And he's meditating and making that his reflection and contemplation day in, day out. What happens? Verse 3. He shall be like a tree firmly planted. And it will be a source of, of that which makes fruit come in its time. And if there's no withering to it. There's an incredible degree of prosperity. So as we see men in that light today, we'll categorize these illustrations as, as a good result. How do you get a good result? We could call the result the harvest, that which you bring in, that which you are able to say, you know some this belongs to me. And where does that come from? Where does a good harvest come from? It comes from good fruit. A lot of people are gathering harvests that are no good. They don't, they don't serve the purpose for which they were created. Um, you get a good harvest from good fruit. You get a good fruit from good trees. Let's go to Matthew 7, 17. Um, the description of Christ saying, these are, are you know, the evidence of that which has been taken care of for a season. It doesn't come all of a sudden. This is, this is long term. Trees take a long time to grow, Matthew 7, 17. Every, even so, every good tree bears good fruit. I, I love all the illustrations in the word of God. Good land, good seed, good tree. But for every good tree, good land, and good seed, there's a bad tree. There's bad fruit. There's bad seed. And, and we need to really get into that on a day-to-day -day scenario. And so he says like this, in verse 18, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor, here it goes, can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down. So good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. Good tree, uh, the, the tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you shall know them. And, and we need to be known by what we're giving forth. The expressions of, of good tree, good fruit, sweet fruit, fruit that's good for the taking. And so he talks about them in verse 16. He says, you will know whether they are mine or not mine. You will know them by their fruits because men, gather, men do not gather grapes from a thorn bush and they're not grabbing figs from thistles. And so I'm, I'm understanding that my life needs to be a reflection of something that bears the fruit which is good. The, the, that which is an offspring of who I am needs to be something welcomed by those that are around me. He talks about in Matthew 13, 8, he talks about good seed falling on good ground, and we need to be concerned about how the word, because this is, this is the surprise, in, we, we can be in our church for 10 years, and good seed is coming out, good seed is coming out, and falling on bad ground. People that argue with God, people that always have a, a different opinion about what God is saying, and they're arguing with, with the word of God instead of yes and amen. We'll see that in Matthew 13, verse 8. He says, Others fell on good ground. If your heart is, is prepared to say, Lord, I want to receive good seed. I want to be good soil. I want to be the good ground to have a good harvest, to yield a crop that reproduces You'll see that a bad, bad ground is, is you, you sow a seed and it doesn't get, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, germinate. It doesn't cultivate. It doesn't produce. And it, it's a, one of uh, the Bible verses says, it's a land that swallows its inhabitants. 
It's a land that receives good seed, a good rain, and, and it produces thorns. It doesn't produce what, what God intended. Um, let's go to verse 23 there in Matthew 13 and just, just contemplate what the Lord is trying to tell his followers about how they're to produce a harvest. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because uh, we're reading 13.13 uh, 13 first. I'm speaking to them in parables because as you show them, they don't see. And in hearing, they don't hear. And they don't understand. They're not receiving the heart of God. Verse 23. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. The, the understanding is comes and stands under it. It's not just he listening. It's you coming and, and lining up with the standard of God. As the word issues forth, there should be a sentiment in your heart. I'm not like that. Not argue with God of why he should appease you. Come and understand. Stand under the teaching. Conform yourself to God and not God conforming to you. And so he says, those who understand it, who indeed bear fruit, these will produce a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. The most powerful thing you do is when you receive God's word and you line up to it and you become, you hand that off to somebody else and that becomes and, and, and it continues to push down and, and, and grow in that magnitude. You can tell what, what you believe by what you teach others. And for years, some people have heard good word and have taken it in a different light. Yeah, but. Well, my, under, my circumstances are different. Or my understanding is different because, see, I'm, Cuba, I'm Cuban. And when I came over to Florida, I just think different. And, and that's a real messed up person. It's a real messed up person who continues to, to switch around what God doesn't want for us to be switching around. Uh, I love one of my va favorite verses in the whole Bible, Deuteronomy 11, verse 10. God says, listen, I'm leading you to a good land. There's, there's, no, there's no problems there. The land that you go in to possess is not like Egypt. It doesn't think like the world. It's not full of controversy. It's not full of, of um, worldly thinking. Deuteronomy 11.10. One, one of the problems I believe we have is we come into the church and we want to do church like they do the world. And he says, no, this land is different than the world. This is different than what Hollywood promotes and what the world says, yay. Um, Paul says that which is esteemed amongst men is an abomination to God. That what men is giving you, if you're getting a thumbs up from the world, that, that's Egypt. And he says, this land is not like Egypt, which you have come. And he says, in, in Egypt, you were doing all the work. You sowed seed and watered it by your feet uh, and as a vegetable garden. But look what he says about verse 11. Our land now is not by the efforts of our carnal ability. The land which you enter to possess, it's a land of hills, valleys, which drink the water from the rain of heaven. There's a provision that comes not by your efforts. In Egypt, they were riding bicycles, and the, the, the bicycles would pump the water into the land by their efforts. And in this other land, it's seen that the rain of heaven, the provisions of God's dew, is sufficient. Verse 14, he says, I will make sure that rain falls on that land in its season. There's something coming from above. I send both the early rain and the latter rain. And it's through this provision of heaven that you're going to begin to gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil. Again, ask God for understanding. Ask God. A lot of us don't like to wait. That, that thing about the rain that comes in God's season when he has determined it, for a lot of us is a real bother. And he does so that, so that there's grain and wine and oil. And then he says in verse 15, I will give you grass that will even provide for those that depend on you, which is your cattle, those that surround you, that you might eat and that your measure might be a filled measure. Again, the measure of God, abundance. It's gonna be large. When you lack 
when, when there's not a, a harvest, when there's not increase, when there's not prosperity, it says, a land for which the Lord your God, he cares for it. I often tell the Lord, Lord, I belong to you. My life is a reflection of your goodness. My life is a reflection of your mercy. The abundance that is in my life is because you are a faithful God. And so the expression of our lives tells a story of those around us. And so he says, this land God cares for. He has personal attention. We're reading, um, what verse is that? Verse 16, he says, take care of yourselves, and I I want to just tell you that everything that's taking place is a heart issue. Fruitfulness and the land is all your heart, because a lot of us, we're like, where are these seeds going, and why are you talking to me about fruit and harvest, and I don't, listen to me, God is talking about your heart. Because everything is taking place there. And every offshoot of what's going on in your life, your marriage, your family, your children, your job, your finances, your ministry, your worship, all that is coming out of the attitude. The expressions of your attitude. And God is up there. And we're going to see this in a second. Um, Let's go there now. Let's go to uh, Jeremiah 17, verse 9. It's there that God is, is wanting to bring this to light with respect to, Lord, what makes me different than the person next to me? Um, what, is, what is the key? Is it, listen to me. There's nothing more frustrating than see your life not prospering, not being sweet, not being enjoyable, and you're like, why? Well, the Lord is telling you tonight. Isn't that awesome? Give him a hand. Give the Lord a hand. The Lord's telling you. Listen, buddy, this is, has nothing to do. We all, we like to, you know, uh, my, who's responsible for it? Listen to me. Go like this. He says, the heart, your heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful. Who's going to be able to understand what's going on? And so we're, we're going down to the most primitive and basic level that God wants us to do, it's all about the place where he put the first man in a garden. It's all about seeds. It's all about soil. It's all about fruit, good tree, bad tree. Um, you, you describe your wife, uh, your, your, not your wife, your, your life as a desert wilderness, as a desolate place of famine where there's nothing enjoyable. I've been in those places. Let me tell you something. Outside of Peru, in the 1980s, the rebels came in all over Peru, the jungles, and started sequestering, kidnapping people. So they got scared, and they started running to the capital city. And behind the capital city of Peru in Lima, there's a huge desert wilderness. It's all mountains, and there's no grass. There's no water. It hasn't rained in Peru, in Lima, for the past 35 years. So this is a dry, dry place. And one million people ran to the backside of the city. They weren't going to be able to go into the city, but they stayed at the backside of the city in a great area called Canto Grande. And there, there's nobody laughing. There's nobody making fun of anything because it's a real sad place. There's no infrastructure. For years, there was no sewer. There was no electricity. There was no water. And so you have these people out there in the backside of the desert, and that is a place of of horrible existence. The only people that were clapping and singing and rejoicing were the Christians. And in Jose Cardoso's church, a missionary who God sent there 20 years ago. And and he raised up 15 churches in that region. And, And the only place you can see here laughter and singing and joy is these churches, you imagine at nighttime when there's nothing, you hear these people clapping their hands. Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say. And you hear those songs and you're like, what are these people, crazy? And they're Christians and, and they're, they're expecting open heavens from God. Amen. And they're expecting a life that is faithful to the dew that falls from heaven. And so God desires, and you know we, we've always said this, 
Man is the one that has walked away from God's fruitfulness. It hasn't been God who has stricken the men, uh, the men and deprived them of flourishing. No. He's always, he says he blessed man. He said fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. He, he, he commanded blessing over us. So if the blessing is not expressed in our lives at huge magnitude and proportion, then, then we need to find out what's going on. What's going on with this heart of unbelief? What, why don't I let faith in here and I let fear in here? And, and I, I rejoice at, at seeing God's description for those who have ears to hear and a heart to understand. That everything is a matter of the attitude of your heart. And you can point to everybody. No, my husband. No, my wife. No, my family. My church. My pastor. Blah, 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 blah. And, and the Lord is saying, guess what? Bad fruit. Bad seed. Bad ground. No rain. And so God is speaking to us in that light. So we go back up there to Jeremiah 17 and start in verse 7 because we're going we're gonna to split it down the road. First, it's all happening in the heart. It's desperately wicked. That, that whole thing there is, is really twisted. And so he starts out with the premise. You want to be fruitful? Read with me verse 7. Fruitful, blessed, prosperous will be a man who has placed his confidence in the Lord. Who's expectation this is what hope is you're expecting good in the future because of God you're lining up not because of you know I, I don't know what you line up with I know a lot of us line up with a lot of things we're moved in the priority of a lot of things that move us but I want to tell you that the fruitful man is the person who lines up with God his hope is not coming from a better economic, political, social, employment structure. He wants to line up with God. Because if he lines up with God, his hope is placed there. Verse 8. He shall be like a tree planted next to some good waters. Which spreads out, this, this tree will spread out its roots by the river. He will not fear Fear is not the motivation for fruitfulness. I want to say that fear will strike like a robber and deprive you of great riches and fruitfulness. Because if I do this, and I do this, and, and you're full of fear, and the opposite is faith. This man is not walking in fear when trouble comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease... He's not going to stop yielding fruit. I, I think, listen to me. I like this forecast. I love this forecast. And a lot of us are posturing ourselves for the time of famine, for the time of, of desolation, time of desert and wilderness. I don't see that. I don't see that for those that abide under God. But I do see that in those that, that make their confidence a strong place. And we could read that uh, in the following verses here. Verse 10. Let's, let's go read the unfruitful man first. Verse 5. First the unfruitful. We just read the fruitful. The unfruitful is this. Cursed is the man who's placed his trust in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart is constantly departing from the Lord verse 6 this man will be unfruitful shrub in the desert he shall not see good coming ever he's not going to see a good day come in the future why there's no seed there's bad seed there's bad soil. There's a bad tree. There's bad fruit. There's nothing good coming down. But he shall inhabit. He's going to dwell in a parched place, in a desert wilderness, in a salt land, which is hardly inhabited. I don't see anything there growing. I don't see anything there flourishing. And so he says, where is this place taking between the unfruitful and the fruitful? Verse 9, it's in the heart. Verse 10, I, the Lord, am constantly searching the heart. 
And I'm constantly testing the mind. Why does God do that? Why does God continually give us opportunities to sow good seed and bad seed? Sow good fruit, uh, to, to give forth good fruit or bad fruit? Every opportunity, every instant. So you say to me, well, pastor, you're saying I'm messed up. I'm going to have to listen. The day you listen to God and your attitudes change and you transfer over to a different land and don't walk like Egypt, don't walk like the world walks, then you'll produce different fruit. And he says there um, very candidly, I test the mind, I search the heart, even to give each man according to his ways. And I will give him fruit according to what he's doing. I'm going to give him exactly how he walks. And, and this is a good thing. And there's nothing more horrible. Listen to me. And, and it happens all day long. There's nothing more horrible than men who speak about receiving a harvest of God's blessing and goodness when the front end is really twisted, really messed up. You should not expect anything good when you're preceding, you're going in front in a twisted manner. You don't get bad soil and bad seed and, and have a good tree and good fruit. Yeah, that doesn't happen. That, that is really twisted thinking. And so it continues on to say like this, um, verse 11, as a partridge that sits upon his eggs to hatch them, to have babies, so is he who, gets, who thinks he's being fruitful but not in the right manner. It will leave him in the midst of the days and at his end he will be a fool. The fruitfulness that, and, and we see this um, in the New Testament, we see it with a gentleman who says, you know something, I have everything I need, I can sit back and enjoy. And the guy says, no, my friend, everything you did was out of my order. You're not going to enjoy that. You're not going to enjoy what you did out of order. Um, let's go to Deuteronomy eleven seventeen now, where he says, if Verse 16, we can start in verse 16 first. Take heed to yourselves, protect yourselves, lest your hearts be deceived and you turn aside and you find yourself bowing down and serving other priorities, other gods that you raise up. Verse 17, this will cause the Lord's uh, reaction to be kindled against you. And he shut up the heavens and there will be no rain and the land will not yield its fruit and you shall perish quickly off the good land which the Lord gives you. How many are seeing this with clear description? This is a no-brainer. For the world, they're confused. They're expecting a great harvest when they have a horrible sowing. And so Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Let's not walk like the world in deception. Let's not walk far from understanding, let's not be deceived. God is not making a joke about this. He's not carrying this in a small and light. He's not giving it non-weight and profundity. He says, of whatever a man sows, that he will reap. Whatever's going into the ground, that's what's going to come right out and, and be expressed Verse 8, for one sows in the flesh of earthly desire, he reaps corruption. But he who plants and sows according to spiritual principles will reap a harvest that will be a great expression of peace, everlasting life. And so Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he says, be careful then because you're not to be moved in desire by feelings and sentiments. Take heed of your desire for your life will not become the abundance of what you grab for. 
I want this, and so I'll have this. I want this. No, your life will be an expression of a man who is walking contrary. Verse 20, he says, you fool. Luke 12, 20. This night, your soul will be required. Then whose are those things which you have provided? You have You have mounted up, you have gathered, you have garnered. Um, This man says in verse 19, look at all the things that I got for myself. I will say to my soul, you have many good things laid up for many years. Take ease, relax. This is the man that he says put his confidence in the arm of flesh. He's not going to hold on to these things down the road. He sowed wrong, he will reap wrong. Verse 21, so it will be with one who continues to hoard and to garner up things that do not connect him with God. He's rich, but not connected with God. So tonight, God is is telling us that we should be careful how we're going about life. And I, I want to tell you how I live, if this is at all good for you to follow in my example. There is not one single thing in my life that I do not filter as a seed from God or from the devil. I'm not going to play games. And for many people, say, why are you so intense? I'll tell you why I'm intense. Let's read this real quick in, in this expression of what the devil's into. He's into pouring seeds into your, into your land without you even knowing. Uh, I want you to read with me. Um, I'm going to find that real quick. Matthew 13, 25. While the man was unaware. (laughs) How many of you guys are unaware? You woke up and you're 50 years old and you're like, man, what happened? While he slept, the devil came and began to throw seeds in his garden. And went away. The devil's constantly, listen to me, every day. Every single moment of the day, the devil's throwing seeds. Now, are you like, come on, just bring it on, devil. Just sow my life with rebellion, disobedience, unbelief, fear. Sow it. Um, While he slept, the enemy came and sowed these seeds. And I just wanted to give you a little insight that seeds are small and insignificant. You can't even notice if you're not careful about seeds. But everything that's a seed that comes in, listen to me, in these last couple of days I've been seeing a lot of parents give video games to their children. And they're demonically possessed, they're playing with demons all day long. I hope you don't think that your child is gonna serve Jesus Christ when he's 18. He's gonna serve demons. They're seeds. And he said, well, it keeps them busy, man. Then I'm going to have to pay attention to them. Yeah, you're going to have to pay attention to them. Because if you're not, the devil will. And these seeds are coming in through the television. They're coming in through video games. They're coming in through friends. They're coming in. They're coming in. And so these little seeds will grow up one day and be, uh, we, we heard it on Sunday, they'll, they'll be uh, ties to their youth that, that they'll grow up to to want to mingle around this scenario. I won't go farther into this other than to say that, that seeds are small and significant, but you know how a big oak tree got born? It wasn't a big tree that showed up one day. It was a little acorn that fell on the ground. And so I see little acorns, and I'll be over there sniffing on them. And I I will put them as far away from my life and my family's life as can all out be. And you say, well, pastor, I think that you're a little bit rude. Um, Let's go to Genesis 5, I know Jeremiah 5. I want to show you how God thinks. I want to say that I want to line myself up with the way God thinks. And God desires that there would be in his In his land.
the attitudes that we're talking about tonight are people who don't understand. In verse 23, he says, but this people are defiant and rebellious in heart. The unfruitful people, the people that are headed for deserts and wildernesses. And he says, are you a fortune teller? Are you you a witch? You can tell the future. Listen to me. I know the principles of God's word. And they're true and they're everlasting. And people who defy and rebel against these teachings, they have revolted and depart. It says in verse 24, they say, they do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God. Because he's the one who gives rain both in the former and the latter season. These people don't want to line up with the principles of fruitfulness. They do not say in their heart, let us fear God and and line up with him who gives both in former and latter seasons. He reserved for us appointed weeks of harvest. God has determined that we would harvest in its appointed time. Verse 25, he says, your own ways, your iniquities have turned these things away. What has been turned away? The good rain, the good harvest, the appointed harvests. God had harvests appointed. There were things that were supposed to take place and didn't take place. And your sins have withheld these good things from you. Verse 26, for among my people are found wicked men. They lie in wait as one who sets a trap, a snare. They catch men. A cage is full of birds. As a cage is full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. Therefore, they have become great and grown rich. They have grown fat. They are sleek. Yes, they surpass the deeds of the wicked. They do not plead the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy they do not defend. Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? And so we see there that, that God makes the expression of those who consider the times of rains, the times of harvest, the times of getting right with God and receiving from God what he has for us. I want to share these principles and you could, I'm gonna finish with this, ready? Number one, you reap only what you sow. Don't expect to get something that you have not planted towards. And I tell many people, and they're, they're, they're reaping. The Bible says if you sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. And you're like, where'd this whirlwind come, man? Listen, so you didn't sow anything. You didn't make provision, then you got the backlash. So we don't get the backlash to leave our race or get discouraged. We say, okay, I'm going to start sowing. I'm, I'm going to start sowing good seed because I know my, har- my next harvest is going to be different. Amen. For sure. I have no doubt. I'm going to sow good seed in good ground. I'm going to get a good harvest. So you only reap what you sow. And we reap the same in kind as we sow. Whatever the fruit of what you sowed, that's the same thing you return. A lot of people say, well, I planted. Yeah, what did you plant? Because you're going to get more of that in return. You're going to get a, a return of that, that particular seed. Um, I had a, a gentleman come to me. He says, look. What happened to my life because of what you did? I said, I want to show you what happened to my life because of what I did. I'll come into my house and look at my sons, look at my marriage, look at my family. And that is a consequence of sowing many years ago. And the consequences of what he's reaping is based on what he has sown. Um, One of the things about sowing and reaping that becomes an issue, number three, is that you always reap in a different season than when you sow. You're not going to get the fruit of what you sow now, today. You will get that next year. You will get that in three years, in five years, in ten years. And I possibly am sowing today for what I want in ten years. That's a big difference. And, and, and a lot of people that don't understand this are, are saying, well, why is my life not... 
Listen to me. You will always reap in a different season than you sow. So you might be having a good time today. Get ready for tomorrow. You're going to be crying. And that's what the Bible says about parents when they don't properly, properly parent. A lot of people think it's a joke to spoil your children. A lot of people think it's a joke. If you see spoiled, when I saw my children spoiled, that's when they got a lot of discipline. Because those attitudes would forge themselves into their adulthood. And, and even to this day, many, many parents are crying because they did not want to let their children understand discipline in a previous season. You'll always reap in a different season than you sow. Um, we reap more than we sow. You say, well, I just want it a little bit. Listen to me. You can know how many seeds are in an apple, but not how many apples are in a seed. In an apple, you might have 30 seeds or whatever it is, the count, 20 seeds. But you're not going to have, you're not going to know how much you're going to have of a seed you let into your life and how many apples it's going to produce. And if it's bad seed, it'll be bad seed for a long while. That's why the Lord says when he comes to our life, he uproots us. He brings out that stuff that is not good so that it doesn't produce any more bad seed. You will always reap more than you sow. And then finally, um, we reap a full harvest of good only if we persevere. You got to wait for that harvest. You can't run ahead of yourself. And the evil harvest comes on its own. And finally, what I tell a lot of people and I tell you tonight is you can't do anything about last year's harvest. You can only concern yourself about the next one. John 4.35, Jesus says these words, don't you say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Jesus says, listen to me, don't, isn't it customary that this is a cycle, it goes around and you're just reaping what you sowed yesterday, but if you sow different, you're going to enjoy the next harvest, you're going to enjoy the next cycle of life, the next period of time. Behold, I say to you, lift your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ready for harvest. The Lord is ready to pour down blessing. Second um, Corinthians 9, 6. The person who's able to sow without ceasing. Uh, I want you to sow. Every opportunity you have, sow, 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 sow. Sow a good word. Get, you might not get it back in a season, but it'll come. Whatever you sow is going to come. The person, he says, he who sows sparingly, freely, will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Make sure that, that you're not moved by what people are doing or what's going on in your life. You're moved by the, the laws of world-changing fruitfulness. Let's stand tonight and say to God, God, I want to be your land. I want to be your precious land where there's a harvest. Uh, remove myself. And, and there's, listen to me. There are people that filter everything good through a twisted mindset of destruction. Here God sends good provision, and tonight they'll go home sad. So, you know, I'm just, pastor told me I'm bad land with bad seed and bad fruit. I, I didn't say that. I'm saying you understand wisdom of God. You understand that it's all happening in your heart, and it's happening on a daily basis. God is testing your heart. God is weighing your mind. In every opportunity, there's a way to be transferred. And you can say, Lord, let me filter, you know, cultivate this land. I was with a, a friend of mine who's a farmer from uh, Texas, uh, Pastor Larry Harvey. He says that, that he was in the planting of, of harvest and, and agricultural lands in Texas. And he says that there's these big... They look like drills. They're cylinders. And they need to work the land. He says that they run them for like two years before they plant. Two years going like this and drilling. And he says some of the land is so hard that those things break. Huge cylinders to cultivate the land, to prepare it for a harvest. And I pray that God just bring that into our life. Ouch. And just mess with us. So guess what? So we're unfazed about anything. Oh, this way, okay. 
Oh, this way, okay. That's loose land. That's land that's ready to receive the seed. That's land ready to, to allow the roots take deep and produce that, that flourishing fruit. One of, again, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Songs of Solomon 4, 12, 4, uh, 5. I mean, I'm sorry, 4, 13. He says, I've come to my garden. I've come to that place that I'm working in. And you know why he wants to come to his garden. And it says it right there because he wants to smell the sweet fragrance, the presence. I don't know if you've ever driven through mid-Florida uh, during the, the beginning of the orange season. You can smell those orange blossoms for miles. There's no fruit there yet, but that little flower is, is saying, guess what? There's going to be sweet fruit on these trees. And so let the fragrance of Christ and his spirit, the sweetness of God, he says that I've, we can start reading in uh, verse 13. Your plants are orchard, pomegranates, pleasant fruits, franken, henna, spikenard, saffron, calamus, cinnamon, all trees of frankincense, myrrh, alloys, with all the best spices in this garden. Awake, north wind, verse 16. Awake, south wind, blow upon my garden that its spices might flow out the fragrance of what's being sown in our lives. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat the pleasant fruit. I have come to my garden, says the Lord. I have gathered the spices. I have eaten the honeycomb. I have enjoyed the fruit of the grape, of the vine, which is wine. He says, eat, my friends. Drink, O beloved ones. And that's what God is doing in our lives. And, and we're not to question anymore why there's bitterness in the lives of people around us. Guess what? Because that's the seeds they've received. That's the treatment. That's the cultivation. Now, God has transformed us. This one man came last week to our service on Sunday, got saved. And when he was going home, his ex-wife called him. And she says, could you do me a favor? He's like, after you left me, after you, you can do you no favor. You go do your own favors. He says, yes, dear, whatever you want. And he says, Joaquin, I could hardly believe those words coming out of my mouth. But what? There's a different spirit that was sown in his heart that morning. He got saved on Sunday morning. So it's not the exterior things that get us bitter and messed up. It's the interior things of our heart. And you let Satan build up bitterness and thorns and thistles and make you a dry land. Or you let Christ come and touch you. And let a, the, the spring of life pour out of your heart. It says... Uh, he makes it, he makes there to be waters in dry places. He cultivates it. I, I have the, the national symbol for Israel is two men carrying huge cluster of grapes. And that means that he had made that land a fruitful land. And he wants to make you a fruitful land. Just tell him to heal your land this tonight. Father, I thank you for this word. And it brings a lot of explanation of the things that we're bearing witness to. And you desire us in this season to be fruitful, but we're disconnected from you. You desire us to have joy and peace, but we're far from you. And we're letting all types of seeds and pests and all types of contaminants, oh God, come into the garden. Toxic things that do not allow us to cultivate your wonderful fruitfulness in our lives. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I, I say what your word says, that blessed is a man who trusts and places hope in the Lord, for he shall be a land that receives good rain on the good land so that good seed might be placed there and good flowers and good fruit and good crop and harvest for the glory of your name. For many generations will arise. Lord, and I pray for those of us who have been wandering a desolate wilderness for too long. That you, Father God, turn us from having a desperate and wicked heart of desire of things that we are unfiltered. Seeds that are unchecked. Our heart has become contaminated with the ways of the world and the thoughts of Egypt and the reasoning of Pharaoh. 
And I pray, Father God, instead of being slaves and stricken trees without fruit, cursed, twice dead, uprooted, that we might be transformed by your presence. Bless our land, oh God. Bless our hearts. Bless your people, God. That your word tonight would have been sown in good soil and give forth good fruit and a harvest to come that will glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.